Hello, sisterhood. We are so glad to be together again, ready to receive all that God has for us. I've been praying for you. Just want you to know that. As we wrap up this particular curriculum on the identity of Christ, I've been having a what-if thought, and I want to share it with you. What if we started our days, we just made a conscious decision to start our days by putting our feet on the floor and saying, good morning, Lord. I thank you for this day. And what's more, I thank you for who you say I am. I thank you, Lord, that I'm a three-part being. I am a spirit and I have a soul and I live in a body. I thank you, Lord, that you say that I am set apart for you, that I have the mind of the Lord Jesus Christ, that I am right with you, that I am healed and whole, that I am redeemed from the curse of the law. I have your peace. Thank you, God, that I am, in fact, complete in Christ. What if we started our days that way? Do you suppose things might go a little differently for us? Do you suppose we might start off with confidence and a focus unlike any other focus? Do you suppose that we'd be able to handle whatever might come our way if we had those things on the forefront of our hearts and minds? I think that that's the case. I do. Instead of allowing the first thought that we have to be all that we need to do or all that we missed on social media while we were sleeping or all the yuck of yesterday to begin afresh every day. Yesterday, I listened to the song, Morning Has Broken. It's an oldie, but a goodie. The morning had broken. The sunlight was pouring through my kitchen window. And I began to rejoice and say, thank you, Lord, for a new day. I look forward to what you have, and I thank you for who I am. I'm asking the Lord to stir in each one of you just something new, something fresh, to show you how he wants you to proceed from here. You've received a great deal of truth this semester. And I believe if you would ask him, he would direct you how to keep that, that fresh word fresh, how to allow it to continue to transform your life as you hook your faith to it. Maybe he wants you to get up and proclaim what I just did on a regular basis. Or maybe he wants you to pour through each of these lessons again and let the word saturate and soak into your innermost places. Maybe he wants you to teach someone else who doesn't yet know what you have learned as truth. I'm not sure, but if you ask him, he'll direct you and it'll end up to be for your benefit and for his glory. So we close out this semester with this lesson. It is, I am more than a conqueror. You belong to him, amen? And because you belong to him, you're part of his family. We can say you are a dweller in his kingdom, one who dwells in his kingdom. Said another way, you're on his team. Let me tell you something. His team is the team. Remember being picked for kickball on the playground and you wanted to be on the team? Well, this team of God's is the team, capital T. I remember when our oldest son Noah was playing football for the middle school in town. And all season long, the boys would chit-chat and chit-chat about the upcoming game against Owatonna because the Owatonna boys were big. They were farmer kids, you know, and they bailed hay since they could walk. And they had this whole notion that this team was gonna be un, just unable to defeat. And they began to get nervous and they totally forgot about their own skill sets and their own talents and their equipping that they each had to be able to win, to be able to come home with a victory. See, their mindset affected their play. And I propose to you today that your mindset affects how you live. Friends, 
It's time to renew our minds and to live from a place of victory. Not because I say so, but because God says so. In 1 Corinthians 15, 57, Paul writes, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's through Jesus, not through us, not through our efforts, our strength. It's through Jesus. He gives us the victory. 2 Corinthians 2, 14 says, now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Last week, Emily taught us that in Roman culture, triumph was the word they used to describe a parade, a victory parade. They celebrated the victory. See, our leader is the Lord. And he, in his mind and in his heart, he's already given you a place in a parade of victory, a parade of triumph. And so it's our purpose now today to understand that we want to identify ourselves as just that, as victorious. And I know, I know, I know, I know that at this very moment, many of you are entertaining this thought. Yeah, Kristen, that sounds great, but what about such and such? Why does mm -mm -mm hurt so badly? This verse does not seem to align with the way my life is. And this is, I understand, we all, we all, Look at me. We all have circumstances that seem to battle with the truth of what I've just shared from Paul's statements. We can feel really overwhelmed by the notion of one more storm. The facts of our circumstances are real. The dead is real. The disobedient children are real. The hurt is real. The broken relationships are real. And yet I'm reminding you today that we are those who live by faith. And a big part of this means accepting something I'm about to say. You ne we need to, as children of God who live by faith, we accept this as truth. Natural facts are superseded by God's unfailing truth. It's just how it is. It's something we nod our heads in affirmation to say, okay, we are God's children. And just like our own children, are really good at asking us lots of questions. So too are we good, aren't we, at asking questions. God, why? God, how much longer? God, how can this be? We're good at that. I think what we're not so good at is letting the Father say so. And just simply responding with an, okay, Daddy, you know best. So as much as children can ask questions, they also come to a spot where they say, okay, you know best. You know best. For the most part, my kids, I do remember those days. They're all grown now, but they asked a lot of questions. And for the most part, they trusted me enough to be okay with me saying, you know what, mommy said so, and I know best. Okay, mommy. And it was a shrug of the shoulders, and off they went back to the play yard. I want you to consider something. The law of gravity keeps people on the planet. When something is dropped, it falls to the ground because there's a force of gravity making that happen. It's in effect all over the globe. It's what keeps the oceans on the planet, yes? And as sure as we are about the law of gravity being in operation, I share with you something else that we cannot deny, and that is that the law of lift supersedes the law of gravity. The law of lift makes it possible for you and I to get on an airplane and travel hundreds and thousands of miles away and land in a different destination. 
It defies the law of gravity, that law of lift that's in operation, and it gets me where I need to go. And guess what? I'm okay that I don't understand how that happens. I was thinking about this. Like, what if a new, um, what if a new uh, national proclamation came forth to say, listen, if you are ever going to fly on an airplane, you have to thoroughly understand the mechanics and the science behind how you get in that plane and it lifts from the ground and goes to where you need to go. What if, I think I'd be taking a road trip. Anybody joining me? I can't understand it, but it's okay. And it's similar in our faith walk. I want to have childlike faith because Jesus invites us to that. Says you have to enter like a child. I want to stop needing to know and be fine with daddy says so. Makes life a lot easier. I am not denying the facts in my circumstances. I'm not denying them. I'm simply putting more of my hope in God's eternal truth than in my current circumstances. He says we're more than conquerors. Amen? So what does this mean? To conquer means to defeat or subdue by force, to gain control over by surmounting impediments, to be victorious and to win. Let's be honest, we're all about the words victorious and win. Yay, woo, yes, we're big sports fans. We like victory, we like winning. But the part that says surmounting impediments, we go, ah, ah. Because that means I have to overcome a hindrance. I have to overcome an obstacle. And of course, it's very likely and, and very possible. And my goodness, we trip all the time upon hurdles. We stumble and we fall. It's okay. The important part is that we get up. Have you ever looked in the Bible for the phrase, get up? Do it. You'll be blown away. That little phrase is in scripture all over the place. Old Testament, New Testament. And I've come to conclude that the reason that get up is found all over the place in the word of God is because it's God's heart for his children. See, conquerors don't stay down. Conquerors get up. They push through. They leap over. They press on. They continue. They refuse to sit or to quit. There is nothing passive about conquering. Conquering may not come naturally, but as Christ followers, it's what we are made to do. You know I'm not into social media, but this comes to mind. Hashtag made to conquer. Why not? This is who we are. It's so easy to identify as a conqueror when we face nothing, when there's no obstacle opposing us. Think about that. When life is smooth sailing and the sky is blue, <clears throat> we do. We sing and we dance about victory. We praise him, celebrate that we are more than conquerors. And yet the same people who do that, the moment a hurdle appears in front of us, when we face yet another storm, we can so quickly tilt toward being sad and frustrated and discouraged and maybe even shrink back from the Lord. Think about that. The one who can restore and make good out of evil, we shrink back from him. Let's recognize this. And let's just decide today to stop allowing circumstances of life to have such a negative impact on our perspective or our outlook, our progress, and even our effectiveness because our identity isn't, it's not stemming from our circumstances. Somebody needs to write that down. Who you are is not determined by what you're experiencing in life. Who you are is determined by the Lord Jesus Christ and his unfailing word. Perhaps even right now, the Lord's speaking to you, and I am praying that it's so. 
And that if you have been having a negative or defeated outlook about any part of your life, may you be convicted. He convicts us out of his love because it promotes change. It promotes progress. Maybe you've been feeling right now, gosh, I, I am in a place of immobility or frustration and I, I have been shrinking back some. And you wonder, well, if I recognize this now, how can it change? I will tell you, the change comes by laying claim to what God's word says. <clears throat> I see it with the eyes of my heart like this. We hoist his truth higher than our circumstances, higher than what we see by our five senses. And when I use that word hoist, for some reason, I think about a flagpole. I remember as a little girl at the elementary school, it was our highest duty and privilege when we were the sixth grade to be able to stand around the flagpole and raise the American flag to say, this is an American school, and we were proud of it. Can you hoist a flag over your life today and declare what you're believing God for? Perhaps your children don't appear to be loving Jesus the way that you've trained and taught them. You know what you do? You hoist the flag from Isaiah 54 that says, all of my children will be taught by the Lord and great will be the peace of my children. And that flag says something. There's a proclamation in the spirit. It's your stance. It's how you identify despite what you're seeing. It's how you identify what will come to pass as you press on. Hallelujah. Let's look to his word as our superior reality. Because when we do this, we become more secure in him and in his victory. In Romans 8, Paul poses questions and they're intended to give us a profound assurance of our spiritual security. He says this, in, starting in 31, If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Think of this, God, the creator of the universe, the one who spoke everything into existence. He is for you. Whew. What could ever possibly defeat him? Nothing. He's got you. I think back to a memory of my childhood when I consider the confidence that I have in being on God's team. I'm reminded of something uh, with regard to my big brother, John. He was 10 years older than me. I still is. <laughs> um, my hero in every way. We grew up in a neighborhood that had many children and oftentimes in, in my, you know, me and my friends would gather in my backyard and I had mostly boy friends in the neighborhood and it was great because I had three big brothers so I was used to boys and we'd play and do our thing. But once in a while, they would just bug me, you know? Once in a while, I was just done. And there was one summer's day that I recall where John was home from college for the summer and these boys in the backyard were bugging me and I asked them to go home and they didn't. And I decided, all right, you're not gonna listen to me. Maybe you'll listen to my big brother, John. And so I went in the kitchen and I found him. It was hot summer's day. He, had, he was shirtless. He had a pair of cutoffs. This is the 70s. And a pair of flip-flops. And he had in one hand a pie plate. My mother had made a blueberry pie. And he had a fork in the other and he was just going to town. And I said, John, you know, here's the deal. These guys, and he just stood up with pie plate in hand, fork in the other. And he walked through the back hall and he budged open the screen door and he stood on the patio and he got into sight of these boys. And he began to open his mouth, but before one word came out of his mouth, those boys scattered, <laughs> scattered like frightened mice. Hmm, my goodness. 
My big brother John was on my side. My obstacle was removed. And I know this seems silly, but we can make the word of God personal today. God is for you. Who can be against you? Let confidence arise in your spirit. Verse 32 tells us that he gave up his only son, the most precious thing to him of anything else. He could not have given us anything more valuable so that we could be in relationship with him. Watched him die a bloody death so that we could be made righteous. How can we really believe this and yet think somehow at the same time that he wouldn't provide our needs or that he somehow thinks that we should be conquered and not be conquerors? In verse 35, uh, Paul asks, who or what could separate you from the love of Christ? And today's terms, we don't, you know, we don't talk too much about the words that are listed in verse 35, but let me ask you this. Do you encounter troubles and hardships? Do you find yourself carrying a really heavy load and sometimes becoming overwhelmed by it? Do others jab at you or make fun at you for your faith? Do you experience lack, concern about an unpaid bill? Do you know what it is to be stripped of everything? Feel vulnerable and exposed? Do you find yourself in dangerous situations, things that you would never have fathomed, perhaps victim of violence or abuse of some sort? Do you understand what it is to have your life threatened, to receive a bad report? Of course, we all nod our head in agreement. This is what Paul was asking. And yet at the same time, he says, does the fact that we experience these things really mean that Jesus doesn't love us? Does it really mean that he somehow let go of us or turned his back to say, it really doesn't matter to me? No, no, we've not fallen out of his loving embrace. See, because his love for us was proven in that God gave his one and only son. His love for us was proven in that while that happened, we were still sinners, the Bible tells us in Romans 5. Mm. We can't allow the hardships that we experience to cloud our perception of the Father's love. They're not one and the same. They're not connected. See, because the revelation that we have of his love is what indeed carries us through to victory. I'm gonna say that again. The revelation that we have of his love, the depth of awareness of his love that we actually walk in is what fuels us through to victory. We have to stop feeling loved by God only when everything's honky-dory. Remember that Jesus taught us that in this life, we were gonna have trials. In John 16, in this world, you will have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration. You could write that down, lock, lock it down. We can count on it. It's part of the human experience living on this earth. But he also goes on to say, and do not stop him short, but be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Take courage, be confident, certain and undaunted. I would sit up a little straighter if I was listening to that. For I have overcome the world. Yes, you're gonna have trials, but I've overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you. I have conquered it for you. So yes, we're gonna have problems. And we can in a healthy way expect that problems are going to come, but expect as well that your problems will be overcome and conquered. I was thinking about it this way, being in Minnesota. Yes, the snowstorm comes, but praise God, so does the plow. 
Amen? Yes, yes, yes. Jeremiah 1.19, they will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you, says the Lord, to deliver you. Hook your heart to that right now. Hmm. Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Do you hear this? There are going to be weapons formed against you, but not one of them is given permission to prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. That's your responsibility. You speak out. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Are you a servant of the Lord? Come on, come on. Are you a servant of the Lord? Say it like you mean it. Are you a servant of the Lord? And so knowing that is true, then this verse is applicable. Lay hold of it. Hallelujah. Being children of God means being recipients of his inheritance. The Amplified Bible says it this way. Excuse me. Peace, righteousness, security, and triumph over opposition is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Peace, righteousness, security, and triumph over opposition is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Triumph over opposition is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. If your great uncle left you an amazing inheritance, would you take it? (laughs) Say yes. Will you take the inheritance that God says is for you? Will you? Right now, by faith, take it. Just agree to it. That's what that means, just agree to it. Lord, I hear you. I hear you fresh today, Lord. I take it now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We triumph over opposition. We are more than conquerors. I want you to think about Paul for a moment. Think about this guy. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten, left hungry, cold, held up by robbers, in dangerous territory. They threw stones at him. He was sleepless. And yet all the while, you know what I contend? That he hoisted the truth far above that. Sitting in the prison, there was a flag waving above him that did not that did not correlate with his circumstances. He believed that Jesus loved him and that that love made him a conqueror. In fact, Romans 8.37 says, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. In all these things, in the shipwreck, in the storm, in the bad diagnosis, in the family squabble, we are more than overcomers. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That word more than conquerors in the Greek is hupernikau. I love it. This word describes one who is super victorious, who wins more than an ordinary victory, who is overpowering in achieving abundant victory. Christ's love conquered death. Christ's love for you conquered death. And because of that, you are hupernikau. You are super victorious. You want to say it? His love makes me more than a conqueror. Say it. 
His love makes me more than a conqueror. You gotta talk it out once in a while. You know what? The Bible says nothing can separate, nothing, nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God, nothing. Paul says in 838, I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities, powers, things present nor things to come nor height nor depth or any other created thing shall ever be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Once in a while, it's good to take a chunk of scripture and paraphrase it, make it personal. And if I did so, it might come out this way as a declaration. Nothing shall be able to erase what Jesus did for me. Nothing can take away what he bought for me. Nothing shall ever be able to undo what he did for me. The love that God gave me when he gave me Jesus will never fail, no matter what. It doesn't matter what hardship I face or who is in my face or what mountain stands in the way. I will overcome obstructions. I will be victorious because his love has made it so his love is real it cannot fail and it makes me more than a conqueror amen Woo! here's the deal though here's the deal just like a man can have a medical degree and not practice medicine you can understand right here that he says you're more than a conqueror and live a life of defeat and of course that's not your intention it's not your desire how in the world then can we be assured of living a life of victory? I will share with you what happens when you partner with his Holy Spirit. We live in victory by the Holy Spirit. In John 16, we go back to that time where Jesus is preparing his disciples and saying, I have to go, but this is good news for you because when I leave, my Holy Spirit is going to be unleashed and I'll no longer be contained in one physical body. I can be everywhere all the time with everyone. John 14, 16, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. He may have explained it this way. Holy Spirit will do in my absence what I would do if I were physically present with you. Hallelujah. Let this mean something to you. As born again believers, Holy Spirit lives in you. His wisdom is swirling around in you. He speaks to you. His ability is in you. His counsel are avail is available to you. What Jesus would do if he were physically present, Holy Spirit will do for you as your helper. Romans 8.11 says, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Think about this. Sometimes I feel like I have to go really fast and get it all in in the right amount of time. But we need to let this one soak in. The same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is alive in you. He lives in you. We're talking about resurrection power. We're talking about supernatural power that brought life out of death. Natural laws of science defied by the very spirit of God. The key to living a life as more than a conqueror is staying connected to this power source. What does this mean? It means living with a constant awareness of his Holy Spirit. The truth of it is that you're constantly aware of something. What are you constantly aware of? Are you constantly aware of where your, where your children are? 
Are you constantly aware of where your husband is? Are you constantly aware of the news? What's going on on social media and what they're saying about you? What is it that you're constantly aware of? I would encourage you to shift things, to being constantly aware of this loving Holy Spirit of God who dwells with you and in you. It'd be better for us if we shift that focus. Being connected to the power source means depending upon him to endure and to continue and to press on. Depending upon him, not your best friend, your vitamins, you know, best friends and vitamins are great. But when you have to pick to depend on one, depend on him, drawing from his limitless power. You know, Jesus likened us to branches on a vine. He is the vine. We are the branches. This means we're to draw our nourishment from him, our strength from him, in order that we be sustained and empowered. You know, I was thinking about, back to the children idea. We're children of God. Your children, when they're small, when they're most aware of being beside you, that's when they're most safe, protected, confident. Hmm? Children are most aware of their parents' love and power when they're close by their parents. The same is true for us, to be in proximity with him, aware of him. John 15, 4, Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. Stay connected, dwell, remain with me. And we all have tasks and responsibilities to fulfill. We've got people in our lives to care for. We have relationships to build and protect. We have leaders to come alongside and assist. We have jobs to work and calendars to schedule. And all of these endeavors are fine. They also come with trials and challenges, don't they? But we mustn't allow those challenges to defeat us or give us reason to quit. Conquerors, again, do not quit. They never have, they never will. I want to tell you a story going back 2,500 years. There were 50,000 Jewish exiles that were led back to Jerusalem by Joshua and Zerubbabel. And God assigned them to rebuild the altar and then to begin construction of the temple. But soon, apathy set in. You know why? Because they received opposition from their Samaritan neighbors. And the Samaritans actually got an order from the Persian government to halt the project, to stop construction. And so for 12 years, it was just nothing. The project was stopped. And they were very discouraged. And then they became preoccupied with other pursuits. Wow, the power of apathy. There was something thrown in the way. And then the ho-hum attitude that curbs completion and affects the completion of any task set in. Hear this. 2,500 years ago, God's people received opposition from some naysayers. Nothing's changed. Have you heard voices tell you you can't? Hmm? Have you heard someone, or maybe in your own head, whisper, it'll never happen? You've waited long enough. God's people had a hurdle thrown in their way by the powers that be. Have you hit a roadblock on your journey? Maybe through the legal system, or from a doctor, or with children who are in rebellion. Well, in the midst of 
God's, this story, in the midst of their discouragement, God sent a messenger to his people. Zechariah called the children of God. He said, I want you need to repent of your lethargy and endure and press on and finish. And not only that, he told them how they would endure and press on and finish. And you know what he said? This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. What needed to be done would only be done by the empowering of the spirit of God. See, again, being more than a conqueror doesn't mean that we are given the task of mustering up the strength or the courage to overcome. It's about tapping into God's limitless power that's made available by the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. And just as Zechariah brought a message to God's people, Will you let me bring you a message today? Okay. (laughs) In the midst of whatever discouragement you may be facing, we hear the Lord tell you to get up. Get up, my child. Get up. And will you receive his invitation to rely upon Holy Spirit for your strength and for your encouragement and power. Zechariah was so confident in God's empowerment to the children of God that he actually spoke to the situation. In Zechariah 4, 7, he says this, Who are you, O great mountain? Who are you, mountain of apathy? Who are you, voice of discouragement? Who are you, bad report? Who are you? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain The man of God could have said it this way, so what if there's opposition? It's nothing for God. God's got it. He'll take care of it. Really, I mean, he called a mountain a plain. He called the problem solved. Let's learn from him. Can we learn from him? It's time. It's time to speak to the obstacle. It's time to speak to the problem. It's time to speak to the issue that's in the way. It's time to tell the thing, excuse me, you need to move because I'm a child of God and I am more than a conqueror and I am surmounting impediments in this moment in Jesus' name. Do you know when we lose confidence in God's ability to level our mountain? Do you know when we lose confidence? It's when we focus on the mountain. We must stop fixating on what is coming at us and instead think about who is in us. 1 John 4, 4, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And with the greater one in us, we can resist the desire to quit. We can get up one more time. Think of it. Jesus completed the task that he was given, didn't he? Didn't he? And you and I have to finish what God intends for us to finish. Look how the prophet says it in Zechariah 4, 8 and 9. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me. God's still talking to the prophet, and the prophet's still sharing this with God's people. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands shall also finish it. God gave one man something to start, and he intended and equipped for that same man to see it through. Let him whisper the same thing to you. I invite you to close your eyes and hear the Lord say to you, I know the path you're on. I know what I've given you to do. I know your circumstances. Indeed, I've actually allowed you to experience the hurdles and the challenges and the frustrations. None of it shocks me. Please, you've got to trust me here. Recognize that the same spirit, my spirit, who raised Jesus from the dead is alive in you. Agree to conquer. Put your arm in mine and represent me well. Together, together, 
together we will continue through to the finish, to victory and to, and to triumph. Hallelujah. God wants to show his supreme power in and through you. He wants to show his supreme power in and through your life. Right now, dare to believe that by the spirit of God, your hands will complete the work that God gave you to do. So here's the deal, ladies. Parenting those children really isn't too hard for, for you, no matter what stage you're in. Holy Spirit gives you wisdom. He gives you grace. He gives you love to make you able. That negative boss, the fragile marriage, the lost neighbors, the people who make your life really challenging, you give those relationships to the Lord and watch the Spirit soften hearts. Watch His Spirit change perspectives and level mountains. Hmm. As you place your trust in him, the spirit who raised Christ from the dead will empower you to fulfill his design for your life. He wants to shine brightly in and through you. He wants to teach your children his ways. He wants to lift you out of the pit of debt. He wants to give you new ideas to build a healthy calendar and position you for promotion and productivity. He wants to give you the desires of your heart. He's on it. And what's more, you know what else? He wants to use your testimony of how you got up one more time to bless and inspire someone else. There is nothing too hard for him. And so whatever task you've set aside and whatever dream maybe you've set on the back burner and not yet lived, I want you to partner today with him and get back to it. And turn your heart toward the Lord like that child who looks up and says, Daddy, I hear you. Take your hand. I know you'll show me through. <laughs> His plans for you are good. Do not forfeit the victory that Jesus purchased for you. Rather walk in victory by the spirit of God because you know what? <clears throat> he calls you more than a conqueror. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for this time with you. We love being with you, Lord. And we do take our spot as a child of God and we humbly grab your hand and we trust you, Lord, to walk us through. We trust you, Lord, to help us stay connected to the vine, to be fully aware of you and fully aware of your love and press on one step after another into the victory that you have for us, God. We love you. We begin to see it now. We can see it coming and we celebrate and we thank you for it, God, because you are good. Be glorified in and through our lives, God. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Be blessed today.